after Jerry died, the cops wouldn't stop harassing me. They couldn't prove anything. They actually thought that I killed him. Anyways, San Francisco got to be a really bad trip after you left. And that's when I remembered you had that extra apartment. Hey, I'm Trish. Hi, Trish. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them. Love me. Love me. What I'm really interested in is love. You might say I'm addicted to love. You want to take a girl up there now? <laughs> You want some? What is it? Well, I met this great-looking guy, and I used love magic on him. Then he got really weird on me. All these emotions started flowing out of him. Then he got really <clears throat> sick. <clears throat> what is it, Wayne? What is it, baby? What a pussy. What a baby. Dwayne. Witchcraft is just a way of concentrating energy. You can only work with what's already there. I just use sex magic to create love magic. Sometimes it's almost scary how strong the love gets. And sex magic, of course. everybody and welcome to this special bonus episode of citizen dame the podcast where we wonder about you know whether or not witches should kill men and why uh, i mean do we really wonder that <laughs> i well do, i i hope we do a little bit i mean just a, in terms of you know not necessarily individuals but, but the maybe citizen dame podcast does not condone <laughs> or endorse murder of anyone we're obsessive witchcraft technicolor witchcraft so we are going to talk about the love witch <laughs> uh on this podcast but first hello karen how are you this for me it's thursday evening how are you this thursday afternoon it's I guess. thursday evening here too <laughs> it's after five the sun is setting oh, that makes it evening uh, doesn't it yeah that does yeah See, it's five o'clock somewhere. I could be drinking right now, and believe me, I kind of want to be. Exactly. Well, I have been, so because um, it is it is eight o'clock for me, so I've had dinner and all of that fun stuff. So, <laughs> so yes, today we are going to talk about um, Anna Biller's *The Love Witch*, which is a 2016 horror comedy film that was pretty much Anna Biller basically did everything for this film. She wrote it, she directed it, she edited it, she scored it. She did, she all but acted in it. Like she did, does not actually appear in it, although she did appear in her in her first film, Viva. 
Um, but The Love Witch tells the story of Elaine, who is played by Samantha Robinson, a witch who leaves San Francisco and moves to a small California town in search of a real man. And she finds a lot of men, but none of them completely fulfill um, her concept of what a real man is. And she winds up cutting quite a swath through uh, some of the men in her area by basically seducing them to death which when I first saw this film, I was like, this is fantastic. This is the best idea. Um, and, but it's, it's an odd film. It's one of those films that is a little difficult to pin down. Uh, and, and part of it is because of its aesthetic and all of this stuff, but just generally, Karen, what are your feelings about The Love Witch? <laughs> um, well, I just finished rewatching it not very long ago. And by that, I mean, like, 20 minutes before we started recording. And um, I, my feelings have not changed. I really love the aesthetic. I really like this story. But there's still a lot of it where I'm like, hmm, I have some questions <laughs> about well, Ms. Biller. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it is a difficult film because it kind of, it's so extreme in so many ways. And so maybe we should start with talking about the aesthetic of it to begin with, because it's, we don't see this kind of aesthetic much anymore. It actually isn't that unusual for like the 1950s and 60s um, Technicolor films, but it is very unusual for for like 2016, right? This, this was a film made, oh, yeah. in, uh, whatever that is now, five, six years ago. Um, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> But so it is this very odd aesthetic in a certain sense, but also it isn't odd at all um, in, in another sense. And she's pulling a lot of referentiality from a lot of different films. Yeah, well, and, and the aesthetic is very intentionally looking like yeah. a film that came from the 60s, maybe even into the early 70s a little bit with some giallo films. And, yeah. oh, and definitely, yeah, and that is, is super intentional, not just because it's an aesthetic that she likes, but because the the tone and the theme of the film is very subversive um, as far as feminist horror, feminine horror. And so using that very specific um, look and style really does help to um, to create this subversive, this overall subversive feeling of the film. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Bill, one of Biller's kind of stated intentions, and we can argue about whether or not she, she fulfills this necessarily. But one of her stated intentions was to kind of bring back this image of glamour and a feminine glamour, but particularly design it for the female gaze, essentially, to, to look at to look at, uh, to look through the, these lenses in a way that was more feminine and not per se the masculine gaze being turned on these women, um, but of this actually being something that women were in a great deal of control of. And I, I think that she does do that too. There, there is this love for an indulgence of kind of extreme femininity for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, like all the brightness, the colors, the makeup, the clothing, like everything is very big and bold and in a lot of ways very camp, right? Mm -hmm. But it does recall some of those films. It definitely recalls you know, some, some of the sort of sumptuous imagery of things like vertigo or um, the, the one that always gets me at the, the, the beginning when Elaine is driving to the town is 
it's very similar to um, the sequence in the birds when Melanie yeah. is traveling to Bodega Bay, right? And it like it looks she it she shot it like that, right? So you you have this referentiality to it, and of course, in the birds, Melanie is actually accused of being a witch, um, and of bringing this this untold suffering and horror on these people. And of course, she hasn't done anything wrong. Now, in this, Elaine very much does a lot of things um <laughs> yeah. not entirely deliberately but um definitely to a point where you know her entire view of her of her world and her and her place in it and of particularly of gender and sexuality is very warped and it's been warped by um it's been warped by a bad relationship it's been warped by her understanding of what masculinity and femininity are supposed to be Right. Yeah. And it's very much about her having this um, idealized view of love and romance, too, mm -hmm. where she she doesn't know how to um, how to find the balance between love and obsession, because as soon as a yeah. man falls in love with her, he becomes obsessed with her. And then she's like, ew, gross. No, <laughs> that's not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well that that's the thing she's like she's pursuing that her character is pursuing something that doesn't really exist right she's right. pursuing she's pursuing a real man whatever that means mm -hmm. um and and of course the problem is that you know essentially my interpretation of it was always that her her love magic right works too well yeah that she's so good at it basically that that these men just become obsessed with her and they essentially like one man essentially like cries himself to death yeah over yeah. her you know it's... well and and i think part of that is because in the context of the film she's a very young witch like she yeah. has only recently um become part of this coven and and started to learn these powers and so it's sort of like um like how they say baby rattlesnakes are more dangerous than the adults because <laughs> <laughs> they bite you and they don't know when to stop using the poison. And so they can be much worse. And so it's kind of like that where she is super, super deadly because she doesn't understand her power. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Bill Biller, in fact, has referred to her as this sort of over the top femme fatale, basically. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what she is. She's like, she's essentially, she forms herself as a male fantasy. Yeah. Right. That's what she's supposed to be. But she does it to such a degree that and it works. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it works. Like you're saying, like the baby rattlesnake, it works <laughs> so well that it actually destroys all of the men that come in contact with her, which I and that's one of the things that I actually really do like about this film is that for kind of an aesthetic and a concept that is so male. Right. This idea of a woman like desiring you so much. Right. Right. Um, and fulfilling pretty much she works to fulfill every one of their fantasies and it's too much for them and it essentially destroys them mm -hmm. and I really like that that's just like you're you've been male fantasied to death like. <laughs> right and and their deaths are like in one case he commits suicide and another like you say basically cries himself to death you know one has a drug overdose like these deaths they happen and it's because of what she's done to them but it's not necessarily that she's outright trying to murder them necessarily until you get to her her final guy which is this police detective who falls in love with her but then gets to a certain point and he even has this like internal monologue 
where he's talking about how love only goes so far and and you know the thing about women is that eventually they're just going to start to annoy you and and they go through that whole experience in a pretty short amount of time because this whole this whole movie is pretty accelerated like all these relationships are very short but um but he gets to that point where he's just like eh I'm kind of you know kind of past the infatuation part and that's when she realizes that she super loves him and then she can't handle that uh he that they're not on the same page and then she just like stabs him to death (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the the ending you know obviously if anyone if anyone here has not seen the love witch um we're assuming that you have yeah we do these episodes with like spoilers abound we just assume that you've watched it before you're listening to this yeah so so definitely if you haven't seen it i mean you you already kind of know how it ends we just told you (laughs) surprise but um, but definitely go and watch it. It is available. It's a, it's on Tubi. It's on um, IMDb. It's on Canopy. It's on it's on Canopy. So it's available Voodoo with ads. It's available for free in a lot of places, and it, it really is worth it. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So so by by the end of the film, yeah, she she kills everything that she comes close to, and um, and and she doesn't because basically all of her powers are essentially to fulfill these fantasies Mm -hmm. right and she can't really go beyond that and when she finds a man where she does go beyond that where she actually has feelings for him real feelings for him she still doesn't know she's been so trapped in so many ways and i think very traumatized and there's definitely a lot of trauma background that um is is not gone into in a great deal of depth but is definitely there that you know she can't get past that she can't get past that element of fantasy and performance um and and finally winds up destroying him as well right um one of the things i find interesting about this in terms of the referentiality and when i first saw this movie the two films that came to mind were vertigo um which is about you know so much about the image and about male fantasies um and women struggling to fulfill those fantasies and it ultimately used now at the end of vertigo of course it ultimately destroys her um and it destroys him to in a certain way in that he's probably never going to be a sane human being again but (laughs) you know she's the one that's punished at the end she dies right um so vertigo is is one of those that kind of came to mind immediately which makes sense spoiler alert for vertigo Again, I'm making an assumption about our patrons. I'm sorry. Um, I think it's a safe assumption. <laughs> uh, still, even though I just spoiled it, if you have not seen Vertigo, go see it. It's not his best, but, you know, it's worth watching at least once. <laughs> if you can stay awake through it. It's a little boring. Yeah, it is. Um, but but so visually, there are a lot of references to Vertigo, just in terms of the Technicolor and um, just a lot of the love which feels very sort of technicolor hitchcockian at that level yeah yeah um, i think that's a perfect description but but also thematically like you're saying this, this whole idea of um the masculine the male fantasy and women struggling to fulfill what that fantasy is the difference being that you know in the love which she has completely taken that on she's internalized it completely um to the extent that it it destroys the men that she comes into contact with whereas of course in vertigo you know she internalizes it because she's trying to make herself into the woman that scotty wants and and ultimately all of the lies and all of the deceptions and the performance itself is what kills her but in the love which it kills it's what kills him right 
Um, yeah. And I, I like that. I like that kind of manipulation of those sorts of, um, of those sorts of stories of the femme fatale because the femme fatale is so often punished at the end of the story, right? And here she's not punished per se. In fact, she's living in her own little little land by the yeah. end of it. It's not totally clear what's going to happen to her when yeah. you know after the credits roll, but. Um... But yeah, there's definitely not a a clear punishment that she has to endure at the end. In fact, she's a little bit set free. Actually, not even a little bit. Like she feel like you can tell by the expression on her face and by just kind of what's happened. It's like she's kind of. It's almost like she's been enchanted through the whole movie, and she's finally mm-hmm. fought through that. Yeah, there's something cathartic. Yeah, at the end, like as har- as horrible as it is in one sense. Um, there, there is this just like she is, it's one of the first times that she is really herself. Yeah. Uh, in that she isn't performing for any man. She isn't searching for a man. She isn't pursuing a man. She is simply who she is. And it comes at the end of this destructive act. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there is the sense of like, she's become who she's become the love witch, right? She's become who, (laughs) who it is that she's supposed to be. Uh, as this, and she has a better she, understanding now of what that means and and what yeah. she can do, like what her power really is. Yeah. Um, back when I reviewed this, actually, I was going through my my old review of this back in 2016 that I have on my old blog, and and I refer to her as a female Frankenstein monster um, hmm. who is sort of created by men's hubris and then turns upon her creators. And I. I don't 100% agree with my analysis, but I think that that's an interesting lens with which to view this character is that she is very much created by everything that men tell her to be. Mm -hmm. And so she works and struggles and reshapes herself in order to fulfill that. And and like I said, internalizes all of it, um, almost without question, apparently. And it, it it warps her completely. And it ultimately makes her into this monster who basically turns all of that outward and uses it almost accidentally, like I say, against men in the ultimate pursuit of them. Yeah. So I don't, it's a really interesting film. So one of the questions that I had, because I remember seeing this movie for the first time being like, I don't know, actually, I have, I take it aside now, I think, but um, is it a feminist film? Like, does it, is it successfully feminist? I'm still trying to decide, honestly. I I think in some ways, I would say absolutely yes. Um, I, well, I think that's definitely the intent. I'm not totally sure that it works. Um, so where do you- I'm still thinking about it. I don't know. Where do you think it fails? Because I, I think that one of the problems with this film is that it's it's difficult to pin down because there are a lot of there are a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that Biller is working through so many different things, including this kind of postmodern pastiche referentiality to all of these older films and all of these older film aesthetics. Um, and then we're also working through like what the meaning of witchcraft is particularly in our in our contemporary moment and we've kind of had a revivification and any um 
reigniting of this of this conversation about feminine power basically and what feminine power looks like um and in some ways this this film is kind of a throwback Mm -hmm. uh it it is you know you mentioned giallo it's throwing back to this kind of 1970s 1960s kind of obsession with the occult at some level but it was ultimately the occult in favor of a fairly conservative mindset you know obtaining a husband right Um, and that's the thing like i don't know that i can say it fails but i do think that the the purpose or the intent gets a little bit lost in the in the effort you've been listening to our february bonus episode anna biller's the love witch to hear the rest please visit patreon.com citizen dame and subscribe <laughs>